Very good. I'm going to bring one of the stands down here for me. Got one there, Sean. Thank you, buddy. All right. Peggy, can you bring our... Uh... Thank you, Sean. That would have been a disaster. Could you bring our uh, PowerPoint up from this morning? Great. That is wonderful. Thank you. There's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes, and uh, our PowerPoint operators and sound folks are always taking care of us, and very thankful for that. Join me in Hebrews chapter 10 and 11. We're going to begin by seeing if you would like to share a question or a comment or maybe uh, ask for further explanation from the things we talked about in our message this morning. Then I want to kind of ask you a few questions. So uh, anything from this morning, Hebrews 10 and the beginning of Hebrews 11 that you would like to ask about, maybe have a question about as you pondered afterwards, or something came to your mind while we were sharing this morning. Peggy, you can go ahead and bring the final slide up and the first three things on it. A, B, and C. There we go. Thank you. Good job. Okay, anything you'd like to ask about? We're wide open here. I'm still singing wonderful words of life in my mind here, kind of humming it. Bill. Well, I think we did, and that's letter B. And that is that all through the Bible, there's no place where the foundation of faith is not also demonstrated by the actions of faith. And therefore, uh, James, we, we actually mentioned in the sermon that James took up that subject and had to write about it because of the confusion in the early church that kind of got around to there was this idea I can intellectually uh, fasten myself to something that I do not live out. And uh, that was not part of the New Testament teaching. There was this combination of faith that works were tied to it. So Very good. Jonathan. Yeah, that's right. That's a good illustration. That's exactly right. Very good. He said, if there's fire in the fireplace, smoke comes out of the chimney. Talking about the relationship of faith and works. That's very good. Other questions or observations from what we talked about this morning as we come into Hebrews chapter 11. Did you notice the frequency of the repetitiveness of these themes just in those few verses. That is going to be something we'll see almost all the way through Hebrews 11. There is this sense in which there's this faith, the reason, this belief, then there's this action, and then there is... And now, Peggy, if you'll pull up that last point for me. I didn't give this this morning because there really wasn't time to talk about it, 
But anticipation of reward is a key factor in understanding biblical faith. Now, to, to illustrate that, I just want to take you to the book of James, chapter 1, and look at one statement, and then I'm going to kind of probe you for some examples from the Bible that you can think of for these issues that we're talking about. James chapter 1, verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Now, look at verse 7. What does verse 7 say? Somebody read verse 7 out loud for us. Go ahead. Y'all can do it. Verse 7, James 1, 7. Okay, so there's an idea in verse 7 that the reward, receiving something, here's a person asking for wisdom, the reward is premised on what? The faith itself. If this person asks in faith, he will receive the reward of his faith by getting the wisdom he asked for. But if he asks without faith, what's he going to receive? He says it. Nothing. Nothing. Jesus spoke about this, about asking and seeking and knocking. James spoke again later of it by saying, you have not because you... But you ask and you don't receive because you want it for the wrong reason. That you may spend it on your own selfish desires or selfish pleasures. And so James gives us an example of the relationship between A and C. That faith that truly believes something and that reward that receives something. So there he is throughout the scripture. So I'm going to ask you for some examples. When we talk about faith in the Bible, talk about the stories in the Old Testament, stories in the New Testament, let's look at letter A. Faith believes certain things. Where are there some places in the Bible where we're told to believe certain things? What's, okay, we're told to believe the virgin birth. Let's, let's narrow it down where something specifically we're commanded to believe. In other words, right in the middle of a statement, somebody says, believe this. Where can we find that? Okay. No man comes to the Father except by me. John 3.16. Whoever believes... In him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Very good. Where else do we see these things? Think about places in the Scriptures. 
Where's that going on? Do you remember the context of that one? The Philippian jailer. The book of Acts. Brethren, what must we do to be saved? Believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved, you and your household. Good. Okay, you must be born again. There's an instance where the apostles are preaching and they say, Brethren, what must we do? And he says, Repent and believe in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, good, good. He didn't, he didn't want to do that. So there are times in the Scriptures that we're told, we're commanded, and especially in regards to salvation, that we're told, we're commanded to believe certain things, and that belief will have some kind of outcome, some kind of reward. Let's, let's go to... But let me, let me before we go to, to B, let's look at the instances where Jesus is healing people and he turns to them and says something like this, and this is really A and C. The woman, it's really A, B, and C. The woman with the issue of blood sneaks through the crowd. What does she do? Touches his garment, and what does he say? Somebody touched me. The first thing he says is, who touched me? He calls her out. Who touched me? All right, and the disciples said, Master, everybody's touching you. No, somebody touched me. That was a difference than a brush. It was different than a bump. It was different than, than somebody just saying, ah, I touched Jesus. It was that. Somebody touched him, and he said, who touched me? And what did he say to her? Daughter, your Faith has made you whole or has saved you. You see A, B, and C. She believes in Jesus. She has a response of faith where she says, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. And then he rewards her faith by healing her. Some faith rewards are instantaneous, aren't they? Some faith rewards are immediate. They just, bam, God just just immediately he rewards them you see abraham and isaac god rewards abraham's faith instantaneously by providing this this ram caught in the thicket to take the place of his son you see abraham believes and we're going to get into that as we study through the book of hebrews chapter 11 got all these instances and abraham and isaac one of the main instances there You see the reason for his faith, you see the response of his faith, you see the reward of his faith, all kind of encapsulated there in that one story. What about some some issues that you remember from the Bible, some examples of letter B, a response of faith? How about some instances there? Centurion, very good, very good. What else? Ready? Mm-hmm. That, that's right. That's one of the examples where it was a long time. The reward was later. And we're going to find out even more that some of the rewards are never given on this side of heaven. Some of them are right then, some of them are a little longer, and then some of them 
Don't happen until heaven. Good point, Freddie. Good point. Okay, Sherry said the friends that tore the roof off the building and lowered their friend down. All right, that's an example of they believed Jesus could do it. Their response of faith was whatever way we got to do to get this guy to Jesus. And what was the reward of faith? He was healed. What other instances for letter B? Okay, there was an immediate faith response. They, you got Matthew, the tax collector. He got up and he followed Jesus. Very good. Where else do we see faith responses? Okay. The promised land, those, those few who did make it. <laughs> yep, good. Mm-hmm. You've got especially what two guys in the promised land story, what two guys had the right faith response? Who were they? Caleb and Joshua. Very good. They had the right faith response, and they were the very few who got to see the reward. All right, good. Noah, what a faith response. He was told that it was going to rain. How many times had it rained previously? Zero. Having been warned about things unseen is how Hebrews 11 says it. How about Naaman? What was Naaman supposed to do? Go dip seven times in that muddy Jordan River. All right? At first, he wasn't going to buy into it, but he had a faith response. What does he do? Dips in, and what what happens? He's cleansed. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Miss Faye? Yes. That's what Freddie had brought up a minute ago. He said sometimes, he said in, in, the, in Abraham's situation, it was a long wait. And that's why the bottom line is really important. The, the bottom line here is actually what is trying to be taught in Hebrews 11. Because these people right now are getting nothing of the reward other than the joy of obedience. But their lives are terribly painful. We've got brothers and sisters in Egypt right now that are being slaughtered. Right now, today, they're being slaughtered. And because of their Christian faith, their lives are being taken, their homes are being taken, their churches are being burned, their freedom is being taken, and and, and it's a horrid situation. And so there are people who are having to wait for the promises. So there's this anticipation. Let's look at letter C. What are some instances that we remember Letter C, really powerfully throughout the Scriptures. It's hard to separate these stories out because they're all, every one of these examples kind of has an A, B, and a C to it. Okay, Esther is a and really important um, example of faith exercised. And wow, this reward comes right after that risk is, is made. So yeah, that's a great one. Esther. Daniel. What happened to Daniel? The lion's den. The lion's den. And so he's put down in there and 
the Lord immediately, because of his faith, shuts the mouths of the lions. That's even recorded in Hebrews 11. By faith, shut the mouths of lions. How about old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Shane and Shane have just uh, released a new song. How many of you know Shane and Shane? It'd be a, seven of us, okay. Uh, if, if you want to go and enjoy some really neat kind of folk music, Shane and Shane are very good. Shane Everett, Shane Bernard. Um, there's a new song out, and I encourage you to go check it out on YouTube. It's called Though He Slay Me. And uh, it's really good, and it has to do with opportunities where people knew that if they trusted God in this, they may lose their lives, but they went ahead and trusted him anyway. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is one of those things where they just go in believing that they're going to die. But God spares them. He saves them. It's a good one. Where else? David. You can see that in several instances in his life. David and Goliath. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that taunts the armies of the living God? As I slew the bear and the lion, and so will I slay this man. And the birds of the air will come and pick your carcass. That's a pretty stout statement from David. And the Lord delivered him. Where else? Rosalind? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, very good. That's an excellent reward for parents, to see him live in godliness and in faith. How wonderful. And your son or your grandson gets a book in the Bible named after him. That's awesome, too. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, Naomi, another good one. Yes, indeed. That's a great story. All right, Jerry? Yes, Job. Incredible faith. Though he slay me, I will trust in him. Very good. Yes, even when his wife was turning against him and said, why don't you just curse God and die? And he said, no. Shall we not accept from the hand of God both calamity and good? Good. Joseph. Wow. And Joseph's is a combination of some few instant things and many long-term things things. And some of the things that God did among in Joseph's life weren't realized until well after his death. So good. Yes. The disciples, yes indeed. That's a good example where they leave and they go and follow him and in the net. That's exactly right. When he told the disciples to throw the net on the other side of the boat and what happened? Sydney, what happened? Is it filled with fish? So many fish that they couldn't even pull it in. Yeah, very good. Master, we've been fishing all night and have caught nothing. Throw it out there one more time. Very good. Say again? Yes. Constantly for Paul in his missionary journeys. Yes, indeed. Very good. And... Abraham and Sarah. Okay. What other what other stories give us maybe all three? Can you think of a story that gives all three really succinctly? Is there a story that comes to your mind 
where you get the reason that they believe this, the response, and then this immediate, this immediate event that comes afterwards. Any that you can think of? Wow, the thief on the cross, absolutely. What a great example. He tells the other guy to quit hurling insults. This thief figures out that Jesus really is who he says he is. Tells the other guy, quits hurling insults. He says, we deserve what we're getting, but this guy doesn't. And he says, Rabbi, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So he has faith, he has an expression of it, and what does Jesus say? Today, that guy had just a few hours left in his life. And today, you will be with me in paradise. That's a great example. Outstanding. That covers A, B, and C really well. What else? Nick. Wow. Mm. Mm. Wow. That is awesome. So what's interesting, and Nick, you, you, you made this leap for us. Was all of this intended to stay in the Bible? No. We have all of these things as examples for us so that we would do the same thing. So that we would believe these things of the gospel, the truths of the Bible. That we would respond by obedience and by giving ourselves over to these things and that we would also receive the answer back from God. Whether it's that immediate thing that comes sometimes where God just, bam, He just answers right then and gives you exactly what you asked for. Or sometimes it's delayed, but it's still in this lifetime. And then sometimes when is it? It doesn't come until heaven. Those things are not realized until you get to heaven. And that's why... In the book of Hebrews, the idea of anticipation of reward is a key factor, a key component of understanding biblical faith. That's why when we get this description of faith, it says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, letter A, and believe that he is a rewarder, letter C, of those who earnestly seek, letter B, Him. And so there is this concept of biblical faith where all three of these are working together and we are counting on the idea that God blesses our genuine faith by rewarding it Sometimes the reward is very simple. It's simply the joy of obedience. Sometimes that's all the reward is for the moment. That in that moment we are satisfied. Have you ever seen 
um, a parent-child relationship where the, the kids and the parents had a really healthy relationship and you're at the ball field. And then there's that healthy relationship and the, the parents are sitting in the stands and, you know, they're, they're chief cheerleaders for the, the, the child that's playing and the child gets up to the plate to play or they're out on the soccer field and they look over to their parents and they look their parents out. What are they looking for? And they're looking for mom, but what, what are they looking for? They're looking for affirmation. They want to know... Am I pleasing you? They, they, they make a good hit and they round the base and they look. And the first place they look, they look over to their parents. Their parents went, you know, and they're pushing the people. Saying, that's my son. That's my daughter. You know, and, and but, but they, well, they want to know, am I? Sometimes the reward of our obedience is the simple knowledge that what we did was pleasing and there's nothing else to it. It's just that. That's why the idea of pleasing God is introduced in Hebrews 10, verse 38. Look there with me. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. This is God speaking. So God is saying, I am pleased at the exercise of your faith. And so we look to God when we exercise our faith and we know His pleasure. There is something about a parent-child relationship that when it is healthy and loving, the child simply adores the parent's pleasure. And the parent loves the child enjoying that pleasure. We get that again in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please God. And so there is this sense in which the most pleasing and only pleasing thing to God is our trust. That which is done without faith, Paul said, is, what does he say? He says it's sin. That which is done without faith is sin. Because we think we can please God by something apart from the one thing that pleases him. And that is faith. So there's this sense in which the reward for many, and it may be the only reward on this side of heaven, is the reward of knowing I was pleasing to God because I acted, I did, I obeyed simply by faith. Think of the countless Martyrs who exercised a moment of faith and the only comfort they had in that moment as bodies were burned, as heads were lopped off, as stones were thrown, as crucifixions were carried out. The only thing they may have had in that moment at all was the joy set before them of obeying and knowing that on the other side that all things would be made right. Now there is a place in the Bible where that's very important and that's Hebrews 12. Join me there for just a moment. I'm going to get ahead a little bit of where we're going but I think 
We need to kind of put our eyes on where we're going. Because in the lessons on faith, we get all of these people who are prime examples of faith. Abraham, and we get Moses, and we get all of these judges, and we get these stories of the saints. And then in chapter 12, we get one more story, and it's the story of Jesus And listen to how he puts it in verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2. The author and perfecter of faith. In other words, here's the guy who came up with it, gave it to us, and made it exactly right by his deeds. He did it perfectly. The author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured I believe there was a point in Jesus' journey where he is begging, Father, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That Jesus is exemplifying that in that moment there is but one thing, and that is the joy set before him of doing the Father's will. Sometimes our acts of faith will be so intensely painful, so costly, so catastrophic to our lives that there will be just one thing that will sustain us. The joy set before us. The joy of the Father's pleasure in our work and knowing that on the other side all Things will be made right. Listen to the phrase. For the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. So fixing our eyes on Jesus. So he's saying the supreme example. We've got all these examples. So great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. All these examples. But there is one supreme example that we set our eyes on. That the very worst thing that ever happened in the world, there's nothing ever happened worse than the cross. It was the greatest crime in human history was the murder of God when he came among us. And here he is, Jesus the Son of God, enduring because of the joy set before him. Pleasing the Father. And knowing that the outcome of his actions would have eternal significance. And so that is the concept that's at the bottom, is anticipation. We do what we do for Christ with the anticipation that nothing on this earth done in faith is ever wasted. Nothing done on this earth in faith is ever purposeless. That God is using all of these things for His glory and for our good. So as we close, I want to challenge you as we come back to Hebrews chapter 11. To focus this week and hopefully the rest of our lives on what one thing pleases God and it's faith. A lot of times we say, you know, I want to be pleasing to God. I want to do things that are pleasing to Him. But Hebrews just boils it down very simply and says, here's what pleases God. 
faith. Acting on, living on, doing things in and by and through faith. Trusting Him. So let's read the passage again together. Going from verse 1 to verse 6. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, that he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Would you bow with me? Father, as we close tonight, we read your word, and it says something very specific to us. It says that without faith, it is impossible to please you. And so we first must repent of countless times we thought we could please you by some avenue, some mechanism, some manner, some behavior that was not rested in true faith in you. Maybe it was an act of pride. Maybe it was even a hidden act of malice that was dressed up in a good deed. Maybe it was something that on its face looked so clean and clear and pure, but under it, it was filled with motives that had nothing to do with faith. And lots to do with our own personal agendas. And so we repent of the countless number of times that we thought we were pleasing you and tried to please you when our motives were less than pure. And we pray now that as we study together, that we would see the necessity of true trust confidence, faith, belief in who you are, what you have done for us, and where you are taking us, and that we would rest our souls on that. And that as a result of that genuine faith, born of it, as Jonathan said, like smoke that comes out of the chimney because there's fire in the fireplace. Let our works grow out of our faith so that we do the things you tell us to. We obey. Grant this. And then give us joy in the immediate reward of knowing we're doing your will, that we're pleasing you. Give us joy in waiting on those rewards that will come in this lifetime. 
because we prayed in faith, because we served in faith, because we obeyed in faith, because we continued in faith and walked in faith. Let us believe that you will act on this earth because your people believed and acted upon it. Grant us that. Believing that when we share the gospel, you save people. And when we encourage the, the saints, you strengthen people in it. When we lay hands on and pray that you heal people. Let us believe those things. And then with all of that, let us rest in the assurance of the eternal reward. Those things that John called indescribable. Things that could not be put into mere language that Paul said he couldn't even share with us. And I pray that you give us confidence looking forward to the day when all the saints are gathered before your throne and all is made right. Grant, I pray, that we walk by faith. In Jesus' name. Amen.